Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here for the next hour, taking you until 8 p.m. Eastern as we get you set for the conclusion of Week 8, New England going to Buffalo to take on the Bills tonight and what probably will not be a very exciting game. New England favored by 13 and a half in this one, but fantasy games are on the line, so we'll talk a little bit about that game and who's active and what's going on there. Of course, you can find me, ScoutFantasySports.com. It is crunch time. It's not too late to become a member to make sure we take you to the top and build you, and bring you to that championship for fantasy football, you can enter the promo code RONIS70 to get 70% off your first month, basically for free. So you might as well check it out and join today. My article is up for today. Taking an early look at the waiver wire for week nine, and this is a week where we have six teams on by. So it's going to get a little dicey this week. So you can check that out. We got the week eight prescription notes from Dr. Roto, as well as his podcast, Fantasy Football for Breakfast, and the injury report from Bill Enright. So lots of content there. Of course, you can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime. Get basketball questions, even baseball questions, as dynasty trades are being asked about. So whatever your questions are, we will answer them. Of course, you have Scout DFS, and you can it covers NFL, NBA, and NHL. Of course, NBA uh, be doing a lot more of that now, especially with baseball over tonight. It's a real fun night for NBA DFS as uh, lineup lock just happened uh, with a lot of the stars out tonight. Uh, no Anthony Davis, no Giannis, Kawhi Leonard resting. So to me, this is a night where I like a lot of the mid-tier guys in my lineup. So some good value there with uh, guys going into bigger roles and having to do more and seeing their usage rate go up tonight. So we have you covered there, NBA DFS. Uh, again, you could try that seven-day free trial. Test it out for yourself. You had access to the optimizer, the Slack chat, and then become a member after you win money. And also, I've been talking a lot about this, and finally people are starting to listen, starting to get more people contact me because they're seeing the record. VegasWhispers.com for your betting needs. I mean, these guys are on fire. 3-0 and yesterday for the NFL. They had the Saints, the Eagles, and I think it was the Colts. The World Series, they were 5-1. and They had the Red Sox money line yesterday. I mean, college football, they've been money as well. So check it out for yourself. Uh, it's definitely worth it if you like to bet. And once you become a member, there's a separate Twitter account that is only for VIP members. And you get you can set it up so you get alerts. So I get the alerts on my phone with all the picks. So the pick for the Monday night game is in. And they've been crushing it in the primetime games as well. And they occasionally give out a free pick as well. There's a, a link for free pick of the day where they give it out, but this is all documented. You know, I, you can see it for yourself. You know, I know sometimes people don't like to, uh, to, you know, believe it, but, uh, you know, it's up there now. And here we got a pick for tonight uh, for NBA. The Monday night free pick of the night is the under 
on the Mavericks and Spurs game. So, again, check it out for yourself. Uh, and then the premium members get access to several picks a day. So it's really good stuff. Definitely worth a shot. There's different price plans. You want to test it for a week, whatever you want. But it's the I keep tweeting out the record. It's been money. These guys are crushing it. So make sure you become a member today, VegasWhispers.com. So we have so many ways that you can win money when you affiliate yourselves with ScoutFantasySports.com. So come join us today. I want to see you guys win. You know I'm all about you guys for those that have followed me throughout the years. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. Let's take a look at some of the latest news going on, and then we'll kind of recap Week 8, some of the storylines that stood out and what it means for fantasy purposes going forward. But tonight, I know a lot of you guys are probably relying on Josh Gordon. I know I am. I just need one point from him in a league to get a victory. And Josh Gordon reportedly was late twice to meetings this past week. And there was one report from the Athletics' Jeff Howe that said Gordon was late for the Patriots' Sunday trip to Buffalo. And then Kevin Duffy of the Boston Herald reported Gordon showed up late to a meeting last week. So so it's not good, obviously, with Josh Gordon. And we always know when you draft Josh Gordon, there's a lot of risk. Obviously, you're worried about his mental state and off the field risk for a suspension. But, you know, it was looking really good for Josh Gordon. Now, the report is he's going to miss a few series tonight. Essentially, he's going to be benched for a quarter. So questions come in. Uh, Someone hit me up today and said, you know, I have Josh Gordon and, you know, Kelvin Benjamin's available and all these scrubs for Buffalo. I'm going to roll with Gordon here. Even three quarters of Gordon, I think, is better than Kelvin Benjamin for a full game. Now, Josh Gordon has really been coming on. You know, I think. Uh, I've been really positive about him over the last couple of weeks. You know, I wasn't starting him when he first came over to New England because he wasn't playing much. He played 18 snaps a week four, 18 in week five. Now, we know in week five he scored that touchdown. He had another play the week after where he should could have had a touchdown, but it was pass interference that brought him down at the goal line. But you could see Tom Brady is clearly enamored with Josh Gordon. He's looking for him continuously. He's been talking him up. So he was definitely trending up. You look at the last... Three games for him. Two for 15, a touchdown on four targets. Five for 42 on nine, and four for 100 on seven targets last week. So he's been getting you uh, double-digit points in PPR formats two of the last three weeks. The other week was 9.2 with him getting more acclimated to the offense and Brady really looking for him. But this is just a reminder of the volatility and the risk that Josh Gordon brings to your fantasy team. So unfortunately, it happens here on a Monday night where you probably don't have a lot of options. I know in a lot of my leagues, you cannot make waiver wire moves after lineup block on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. I guess there are some leagues where you can still add players, but I just don't know if there's much out there. Now, if Kenyon Barner is available and you have the ability to pick him up over Josh Gordon, yeah, I would do that because Barner's in line for a big workload tonight. The Patriots only have two running backs on the roster. It is James White and Kenyon Barner. So in a 14-team league, I picked up Barner off waivers earlier in the week, he's in my lineup. I think I need three three to four points from him to win tonight. And, you know, this game should be a blowout. I expect New England to, to win pretty easily. Buffalo is just anemic. I know it's a divisional game. It's on the road. I just don't see it with Anderson at quarterback for Buffalo. I can't. So Barner is in a good spot to get 10 to 15 touches tonight, especially if this game is a second-half blowout. But I think if you need Gordon, you're just going to have to suck it up because uh, I just don't like – I'm not picking up Charles Clay to play over Gordon. It's just not going to work. So the one concern you do have with Gordon tonight is probably going to see a lot of Tredavious White, who has been one of the top corners this year in the NFL. 
But Gordon is so good, and Brady trusts him. He'll throw it up that he can make one play. So it's just a reminder that just when we think we can count on Gordon, that there are still issues with him. You know, this is a problem. New England's not going to settle for this. Now, there are other reports, too, that New England is interested in some receivers, like Demarius Thomas and Golden Tate. So uh, this is something that you have to be a little worried about as a Gordon owner. But Brady, again, Brady is... Very impressed with Gordon for his football IQ, the way he's learned the playbook. So that says a lot, but Gordon has got to be more disciplined. He's got to show up on time. It's pretty simple. You know, if you take your job seriously, we could say whatever we want about Gordon and the mental issues, but you know, New England gave you a prime opportunity here. You've got to take advantage of it and be on time. So it's just another reminder that maybe we just cannot count on Gordon week in, week out at this point, because there's always this risk and We'll see what happens tonight with Gordon. So just when you felt comfortable with him, I know I was. I have him in one redraft league. I probably did take him in a couple best ball leagues, you know, early August. But I took him in one redraft league because the price was cheap. It was like seventh, eighth round on the turn. Uh, I pick at number two. So at that point, he wasn't an integral piece of my team. And, in fact, I think last week might have been the first week that I started him all season. I think it was last week, yes. Because once I saw the 63 snaps in week six, I said, okay, they're ready to play him full throttle, not limit him. So that's when I got him back in the lineup last week. And, of course, I have him in the lineup this week. No ability to make waiver wire moves today. And my only option is Sony Michelle, who is inactive. Rob Gronkowski is active for the game, as expected. And he has always put up big, big numbers in Buffalo, where he is from. So if you waited around for him, and you have him and Charles Clay, obviously get Gronkowski in there. I have Gronkowski in one league. That is the Scout Fantasy Online Championship, the BB Adam Ronis League, which I have already secured a victory with Edelman and Gronk to go tonight. But what I did do was add Charles Clay just in case, and uh, I will be dumping Charles Clay this week. The other big story of the day is the Cleveland Browns. They have finally discarded and fired Hugh Jackson after a 3-36-1 record in his tenure with Cleveland. And how about this year? The Browns have a plus 11 turnover differential. They are 2-5-1. Usually when you have that great of a mark, you have a winning record. But not when you're the Browns, the Hugh Jackson. So it's been a disaster. And a lot of people felt, okay, Todd Haley is going to be the guy to take over. He was let go too. It was announced to Hugh Jackson this afternoon. A couple hours later, Todd Haley is gone as well. So the Browns promoted defensive coordinator Greg Williams to interim head coach. So he's getting another chance here. Uh, remember him? He had a one-year suspension with the Saints in his role in Bounty Gate. So right now, Brown's looking to change things and turn things around. They also promoted running back coach Freddie Kitchens to offensive coordinator. So uh, we'll see. You know, he did. Uh, he was under the tutelage of Bruce Arians. So we'll see if he can instill any of those concepts into the offense. But I, this has to be, you know, Better news for the Browns going forward. That offense has been a disaster. You know, someone just asked me on the Scout Fantasy message board about Nick Chubb and whether this was good for him. They were disappointed in Chubb so far. I don't think Nick Chubb's had a bad couple weeks here. Like, what did you expect? You know, Chubb's been basically an RB2. His first start in Week 7, he had 18 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. It's a good week, 16 points. And then this week, it wasn't that bad. He had 9.5, so he almost got to double digits. Yeah, he's relying on touchdowns. He had 18 carries, 65 yards this week. Steelers are pretty good defense. He did catch two passes for 10 yards on three targets. 
And we don't expect him to do much in the pass game. We expect that to be Duke Johnson's role, although they don't even throw to him much. So I don't think it's been a disappointment for Nick Chubb at all. I didn't expect a huge game from him this past week. But I do think this bodes well for the offense going forward. You just got to hope that they can start to get something out of these players. There is definitely talent here. They do have issues on the offensive line. Baker Mayfield has not been protected well, and they don't have a lot of depth at wide receiver. So there are some issues here, but hopefully they can get going in the right direction. We all know Hugh Jackson was way in over his head. He shouldn't have been the head coach of this team. There's a lot of talent here. For them to go winless last year was just inexcusable. Not that they were a great team, but there was talent there. And even now, we've seen pieces of it. I mean, they had an opportunity to start this season 3-0, and but they just made a lot of mistakes. And if you watched Hard Knocks, you can tell Hugh Jackson's just not cut out to be a head coach. That's one thing we see on that show. We see player uh, coaches that get revealed. You're just not motivated to play for these guys. They just don't do anything. And Hugh Jackson was way in over his head. So this should be good for the Browns going forward, and we'll see they wind up getting as their head coach in the future because I think that is a good job. There is talent there. Some other notes here from injuries uh, for the week. Tyreek Hill left the game late with a groin injury. It was about two minutes left, so we really haven't heard anything, but this is something to keep an eye on here with Tyreek Hill. We'll probably know more when the practice reports come out on Wednesday, but obviously that would be a big loss for the Chiefs offense. Tyreek Hill just commands so so much attention, so we'll keep an eye on that. The other one that no one's really talking about either. It's A.J. Green. Late in that game, he limped off the field. Looked like it was a toe injury. I think that's what's some of the things that were reported. Now, the good thing is the Bengals are on bye in Week 9, so we're probably not going to get much information. Hopefully it's not serious and the bye week helps because A.J. Green has been tearing it up, and he's been a big piece for fantasy owners this year. So those are a couple injuries that kind of flew under the radar a little bit. No one's really talking about it, and I say this all the time. There's a lot of injuries that we don't know about until Wednesday when the first practice report comes out. So that's why you cannot be in a rush to set your lineup because you know you ask a question on a Tuesday or Wednesday, and then later that day the practice report comes out, and you had no idea that the certain guy was hurt. We do know that Bucks rookie running back Ronald Jones is hurt. He's got a hamstring injury. He's expected to miss a few weeks. So Jones was a pickup a couple weeks ago. I think we thought possibly before that bye week that uh, maybe Ronald Jones would come back and be the guy that wasn't the case. Then Peyton Barber was banged up last week, but he was able to play. And Ronald Jones just just had a miserable season. He was terrible in the preseason. We know he's had struggles catching the football. He did have a touchdown last week in Week 7, but he only had seven touches in that game. And then this week only played 11 snaps. So Ronald Jones is someone that might not be a factor at all this year, especially with a hamstring injury. That just puts him back a little bit. So it's going to be Peyton Barber going forward, who has been better lately, obviously. But Barber is not going to do much in the passing game. You'll see a lot of Jaquiz Rogers. That's what we saw yesterday with the Buccaneers trailing. We saw much Jaquiz Rogers. But uh, Barber does have uh, at least 82 yards rushing in two of the last three games. Now, he is going to be relying on touchdowns. He only has six receptions on the season. But, you know, you're looking at bye weeks and six teams on bye and Barber's probably going to have to enter the picture as a possible RB2 flex play, at least for the next couple weeks going forward. Again, I don't feel great about him, but in the deeper formats, he, you know, he'll be on a roster. Uh, Chris Thompson suffered a rib injury in Week 8. This guy's been banked up, so it, this seems like it's a pain tolerance issue. We'll see if he's good to go. Now, Thompson has really been hurt by Adrian Peterson, who I want to talk about a little bit later on in the show. But Chris Thompson, you know, it was looking really good for him early in the year. You know, he was getting big workloads. He had 21 targets the first two weeks, 
And in fact, he had uh, 31 targets the first four games. But you see when the Redskins are playing from ahead, and surprisingly they are, I don't know how this team is 5-2, and two, they're not that good. You know, his role has kind of been diminished. They had the lead pretty much against the Giants, and he only had five touches. He played 26 snaps. We saw in week five against the Saints, you know, eight for 17 on the ground. He did get six for 45 through the air. Week three against Green Bay, he didn't do much, only seven touches. So it's been a real up-and-down season since that big week two game when he had 13 receptions for 92 yards. So with the Thompson, you got to hope that this team – can be a more passing situations. The defense has done a good job, and they've run the football well. So it's kind of hurt Thompson here, who just has seen his role diminish. The Buccaneers announced that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be their starting quarterback for Week 9. Once again, Jameis Winston was terrible. He threw four interceptions this past week, and they pulled him. And the offense got better with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Remember, Fitzpatrick threw for at least 400 yards the first three games of the season. No quarterback in the history of the NFL has done that before. Then he had the game against the Bears where he struggled, and it wasn't a surprise. The Bears' defense was playing great at that time, and Khalil Mack was just a terror. Obviously, he's banked up now, but this offense has been better with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. We know Fitzpatrick's not the future for Tampa Bay. They have to figure out if it's Winston, but they want to win now. Dirk Cutter's job is on the line, so it's not a surprise. This is good for the Buccaneers' offense. Uh, they have a lot of weapons here. We'll see if Deshaun Jackson gets traded. A lot more on the injury front and storylines to take away from Week 8, what it means for your fantasy team. That's all ahead. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back here, it is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis. You can follow me on Twitter, at Adam Ronis. You can find me, scoutfantasysports.com. Latest article up is an early look at the Week 9 waiver wire. A critical week here with six teams on by. We're going to have to dig a little deep this week, a little digging in the crates. All you old school hip-hop heads know what I'm talking about there, D-I-T-C. We'll also take a look at the prescription notes from Dr. Otto. They're up. The podcast from Dr. Otto as well. And the injury report from Bill Enright. And, of course, any questions you have, feel free to ask them on the message boards and the forums. If you use the promo code RONAS70, you get 70% off your first month. What do you have to lose? It's basically free, essentially. And, of course, Scout DFS, where we cover you for NFL DFS, uh, NBA, and NHL. And you know I love the NBA Love that DFS for NBA. It's my it's my favorite DFS sport. So looking forward to tonight as uh, you know some good. I went with the mid tier lineup tonight. You know, little uh, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Eric Bledsoe with some of these uh, 
star players out. No Anthony Davis, no Kawhi Leonard, no Giannis. So we have you covered there. There's the Slack chat. There's the Optimizer. You can always get the free seven-day NBA trial. Check it out for yourself. And as I mentioned, VegasWhispers.com. Now you guys will start coming to me. I've been retweeting all the success and the wins, and now I'm starting to give messages about VegasWhispers.com. So you guys have been passing up money. Again, 3-0 and in the NFL yesterday, 5-1 and in the World Series, and they often giving you a free pick of the day. So you can check it out. They're great in the prime time. The free pick of the day today is for the Mavericks and the Spurs. The over-under is 215.5. They like the under at 215.5. So that's the free pick of the day. But become a premium member. There's a promo code. I think it's Hot50. I, I retweet everything. So you can. it's documented. And these guys are straight up and honest with their picks. And uh, anyone who follows me knows I'm not going to mislead you. So... Uh, we can't retweet the the private sub sub VIP. The retweets uh, disabled because obviously can't pick, give those picks out. Those are premium members, but uh, everything's documented there, so you can check it out. Once you become a member, you get access to the VIP Twitter feed where you can set up and get alerts, and it comes right to your phone with the picks for the day. Uh, I have it set up, and it's great. So uh, they have the pick out for the football game tonight, and. Uh, I'll be putting some money on that game tonight as well. So, again, check it out, VegasWhispers.com. Uh, let's take a look at some of the other injury news. This is a big one here that we're paying attention to, and it could be uh, essential for your waiver wire here. He might be owned in a lot of leagues, but he might have been dropped recently. That's Kiki QT. Remember, Wolf Fuller tore his ACL, unfortunately, on Thursday night. QT is set up to get a ton of targets going forward. We've already seen it when he's been on the field. There's not much competition there, but remember, QT is dealing with a hamstring injury. He did not play last Thursday night. He was limited in practice last week, so that's a good sign. So that means he could suit up this week, but we've seen hamstrings before. We know that they just don't go away, and QT had a hamstring injury already in the preseason. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Texans take the costless approach here and maybe sit him. They have a bye in Week 10. That would set him up for Week 11, but either way, QT is someone that you want, and he is still available in some leagues. I was getting some questions on the ScoutFantasySports.com message board the last couple days, so he could still be out there. Ryan Tannehill doesn't look like he's going to be ready yet. Adam Gase said he would know by Wednesday if Tannehill will be able to go this week. He is throwing, but there's not much power in his throws when he's trying to unleash the ball. So it looks like uh, we could see Brock Osweiler get another start this week against the Jets, and we know they've been struggling in the secondary. Adam Gase also said he's confident that Devontae Parker will not be traded ahead of Tuesday's deadline, and we'll see. We're hearing a lot of rumors, different guys. We'll see if there's any moves. The trade deadline is tomorrow, so we'll follow that, and hopefully uh, we'll have a couple trades to analyze on tomorrow's show. But Devontae Parker, man, unbelievable, man. He was he looked really good last week. Devontae Parker's a guy who burned me last year. Didn't draft him anywhere. This year. You could see Adam Gase just not enamored with him. They want him dealt, but... Right now, when you look at that receiver core, Albert Wilson on injured reserve, Kenny Stills still dealing with a groin injury. My guess is he's probably unlikely this week. they got to play Devontae Parker at this point. And you see the flashes of talent that he has. Nine targets last week, six for 134. So he'll be someone that you're considering looking at on the wave wire, even though he's kind of burned us many times in the past. But the talent is there. It's just basically they don't really have an option at this point. Pat Shermer, the Giants head coach, said, at this point, Eli Manning is our quarterback, but he did leave it open when he said, we'll see, when asked if Manning will start following the bye. 
Uh, that's right. The Giants have a bye this week. The offense is abysmal, and at this point, they should probably go away from Eli Manning. Let's see what Kyle Oletta has, because what's the point of just keeping going with Eli Manning when this team is terrible and going nowhere fast? So that'll definitely be a storyline that we pay attention to. Some of the other things that stood up from this weekend, Josh Adams of the Eagles, very intriguing here. He led the backfield in carries uh, against Jacksonville in London on Sunday. He had nine carries for 61 yards. Only one catch for six yards as Wendell Smallwood had two for 42. But you could see Adams has surpassed, or at least uh, for this week, Corey Clement. Corey Clement only had four carries for six yards and one catch for negative one yard. So we know under Doug Peterson he wants to play several running backs. They're going to go with you know three usually some or two. But I do think in deep formats, Adams is a pickup just in case the, this change is going forward. They obviously have a bye this week coming back from London. Adams, it looked like, did have a fumble late, but he was ruled down. But I think he's definitely intriguing as an ad. We all know that there's just not much at the running back position in deeper formats, so I would take a look at him. Uh, Jacksonville's just been a complete mess. Uh, once again, Blake Bortles was terrible. And Carlos Hyde, I put in my cinem column because I just didn't know what his role would be, and they barely ran a football. I mean, Hyde had six carries for 11 yards. Yeldon just two for seven. Yeldon made up for it in the passing game with seven for 83. But Leonard Fournette is probably going to come back after the bye week. The other thing to take a note of here is Keelan Cole barely played any snaps in this game. DJ Chark was way ahead of him. Chark was around 75%, and the rookie had 4 for 41. Keelan Cole just 2 for 18. And, man, there was a lot of people who were hype on Keelan Cole uh, once Marquise Lee went down. I wasn't, uh, and I've gotten stuff wrong. Don't get me wrong, but I just didn't move Keelan Cole up as much as everyone else because I just felt like this was an offense that was going to spread the ball around with Dante Moncrief and Chark and D.D. Westbrook, and this is a team that wants to run the football. Obviously, things have not panned out as Jacksonville was once 3-1. and one. They are now 3-5 and five after four straight losses, but I was just worried they were going to spread the ball around too much there in Jacksonville, and that's kind of what you're seeing right now, and Keelan Cole is kind of just falling apart there. The Bears, it wasn't pretty, but they beat the Jets. Mitch Trubisky, you know, he's not great when you watch him play from a real-life perspective. He misses a lot of throws. Fantasy, he's been getting the job done. He had two touchdowns this past week, but 51 rushing yards, and he's been running a lot. So we all know, anyone who's played fantasy over the years, when you have that quarterback that runs, they give you a high floor. I mean, alone from his rushing, you start off right there with five points. So he continues to, to get it done on the ground. Jordan Howard is just real frustrating right now. You know, again, this was a game script where you could have predicted. Now, it's not going to work out every week. We had a game, a game script several weeks back against Tampa where it looked like, okay, the Bears should be in control this one, and we didn't see much out of Howard. We did hear this week 22 for 81 and a touchdown for Howard, but still not involved in the passing game at all. Low receptions, and they were up most of the way in this game. It was 7-3 at half, 14-3 after three, so they weren't going to pass to the running backs that much. But Tariq Cohen... We only saw six touches from him, but he's so explosive. He had five carries, 40 yards, and a 70-yard receiving touchdown where there was no one near him. I mean, there was not a Jets player that even came close to touching Tariq Cohen. Anthony Miller was in my deep sleeper column because I had a feeling that Allen Robinson wouldn't play, and Robinson didn't. And not a big game for Miller, but he did find uh, the end zone, uh, back of the end zone. He made a nice catch. He was 3-for-37 and a touchdown on seven targets, so he has some value there. Uh, Trey Burton was a disappointment this week, 3-for-18. For the Jets, I mean, you just didn't feel good about playing anyone. You know, Isaiah Crowell, we knew would get uh, a good work, though, but it was a tough matchup against the Bears' defense. It's been good against the run, and Crowell basically didn't do anything. 13-for-25, and went a catch for 13 yards. And there's pretty much not nothing much here. But the 
thing you want to pay attention to is Elijah McGuire. Mentioned him in the last week's show, and I also mentioned him in the waiver wire column once Bilal Powell was out for the year. So McGuire started to being picked up in leagues last week in the deep formats, uh, but he could still be out there. He returned to practice last week. He's on injured reserve. He is eligible to be activated this week, and I don't know if he will be, but it was a good sign that he was practicing, and they were high on McGuire. I was taking McGuire in my July-August drafts real late, uh, basketball formats. Then, of course, he got hurt, had the foot surgery, but it looks like he is uh, close to return, so I think he is an intriguing pickup as well. Tyler Boyd, to me, is the waiver wire pickup of the year. I don't think there's been many big ones, but even in the, the high-stakes leagues, Boyd was available in many leagues after week one, and he just continues to flourish. Nine for 138, a touchdown and 10 targets, so uh, just tearing up right now. Uh, we talked about the Bucks and the quarterback change there with Fitzpatrick just coming in and 11 for 15, 194, and two touchdowns. I mean, he almost led this team back. So Fitzpatrick is someone that you, if you need some quarterback help, you can go to the waiver wire. Uh, they have Carolina this week. And I know Carolina's coming off a good game, but I don't think there's any dominant defense in the NFL right now that you're scared of. You know, even the Ravens, you know, who were playing very well. Look what Carolina did to them this week. Jacksonville has not been a dominant defense. Even the Bears, you know, have at times been susceptible. So, I don't know if there's a defense right now in the NFL that you're really scared of at this point in avoiding because no one is consistently locking teams down on a week-to-week basis. O.J. Howard, man, you know, I, you wish he had more targets, but he's just producing. You know, he is one of the better tight ends right now. Four for 68 in the touchdown, only four targets, but this team just has to pass so much, and uh, Howard is definitely a, a tight end that you feel about good about going forward, and there's not many you could say that about. I wish there was more volume, but... Uh, he's been productive. Uh, the Seahawks were a big question this week. You know, Russell Wilson had 17 pass attempts, completed 14, and had three touchdowns. I don't know how what Russell Wilson is doing this because, and a lot of the touchdowns that he threw to were, were not open receivers. Like, he was just forcing the ball in there, and the receivers were making plays. So Russell Wilson is just, like, on this good luck streak right now because look at his pass attempts. How could a quarterback live like this? 26, 26, 21, 23, and 17. So the last three weeks. Pass attempts for Russell Wilson, 21, 23, 17. Three passing touchdowns in each of them. And he's not even running much anymore. His season high in rushing yards is 21. So Russell Wilson's just living on some good fortune and luck right now. And he's a good quarterback, don't get me wrong. But, man, it's really going to be difficult to continue to put those numbers up when you just have so many limited opportunities. Now, it's working right now. And the Seahawks play from ahead. The schedule gets a little bit more difficult, so he might have to run a little bit more or pass a little bit more going forward. But it's difficult to maintain that pace. Now, they are running the ball a ton, 40 more, 42 rushing attempts in this one. As they, had a, they built a nice lead. They were up 21-7 at the half. So if Seattle's going to play from the lead, you know they want to run the football. That's the way they're kind of built. And Chris Carson, another good game, 25-105 and a touchdown. He's looked good. He even caught two passes for 19 yards. So a really nice job for Carson right now. Mike Davis, 10 for 33. David Moore continues to produce, but again, the volume's not there. You know, he's scoring touchdowns. I think it's the third straight game, but four for 97 and a touchdown on four targets. That can't continue. Ed Dixon's intriguing if you really need a tight end in a deeper league. Only two targets, but he did catch two for 54 and a touchdown. If you remember, he burned Detroit last year as well. And Tyler Lockett, man, I have this guy on, on teams, but Amazing. He just keeps scoring touchdowns. Only two targets, two for 34. I know we talked about Doug Owen on Friday's show. Disappointment for him. I thought he's looked a lot better lately, but again, the volume hasn't been there. He did have an opportunity to get a touchdown, but he did not drag that second foot inbound, so he finished two for 26. 
for Detroit, the big question here is what the hell has happened to Kenny Galladay? I mean, one target for 12 yards in this game. Now, last week, Galladay had a disappointing game. And my rationale was, okay, well, Detroit didn't throw the ball much. Uh, we talked about Russell Wilson. Matthew Stafford has had games recently where he just hasn't had to pass much because the lines have been playing from ahead. But Kenny Galladay, the last two weeks, three targets, three for 49. Now, he did have a touchdown taken away by penalty in week seven. But this was a, a big Marvin Jones game. And I talked about this last week. I talked about it with Chris Vaccaro last week, and you could always check out all the episodes on demand anytime you want. And I also wrote this in my stock watch where I said, you know, be patient with Marvin Jones. He's going to have his big weeks because the Lions just weren't throwing the football much, and the schedule gets more difficult ahead. So I think they're going to have to pass more. This was a Marvin Jones game. He had 10 targets, 7 for 117, and 2 touchdowns. Stafford does look for him a lot in the end zone. The connection has not been smooth so far this year, but... You see the upside of him. Golden Tate had 12 targets, 7 for 50. So I still think most weeks you can play Kenny Gallagher. I think you could play all three of these receivers. Now, Kerryon Johnson did have eight targets, so that hurt a little bit. He had 6 for 69, so that took away. But Galladay's so good, so I know people are going to be worried, but I would hold Galladay for sure. Do you feel great about starting him? Probably not after these last two games. Uh, but I actually still might start him in a league next week. Again, it comes down to uh, what else you have. But Galladay's just so talented. And if, if Detroit's going to put the ball in the air 40 times like Stafford did yesterday, i got to think those targets are going to come to him going forward. So I would try not to panic too much on Galladay. Uh, I do think that there'll be better days ahead for him. One of the other things that we knew this week, you know, I put him in the deep sleeper list. We talked about him in DFS on Friday, and that's Devontae Burker. We knew that Royce Freeman was out. Some of the reports are it's a high ankle sprain. I don't know if that's been official. So we knew Philip Lindsay was a great play. I mean, you're playing Philip Lindsay every week in seasonal anyway, and he became intriguing in DFS because we figured he'd get a few more touches, not a ton. And he had 18 carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown, and threw the air three for 17. So it was a productive day. But we knew Devontae Booker was going to see an increase in touches. I mean, he's been on the field anyway, even when Freeman is healthy. So Booker, I think the snap percentage was 55 for Lindsey, 45 for Booker. So Booker was a, a deep play. He was in my deep sleeper column. That comes out every Saturday. Booker had nine carries for 78 yards and four receptions for 23 yards. And he's had two other games this year, five receptions. So he gave you a nice floor in this game. Cortland Sutton had his highest receiving yards of the season with 78, but still only four targets for three receptions. But you got to own Cortland Sutton. And we've talked about it. And I drafted him in a few leagues this year. I think I might have, I think I cut him in one. It was 18 roster spots, and I was pretty good at wide receiver, and it wasn't looking good for him. But I think Sutton is a guy that you pick up now in case Demarius Thomas is traded. I don't think many teams want him, but there has been talk about New England probably being interested. And uh, there's no future there for him. So Sutton, certainly someone that could have a big-time value the rest of the way here. Uh, Sammy Watkins had a good game. Eight receptions, 107 yards, and two touchdowns. And he's been very frustrating. Now, he could obviously see an uptick here if Tyreek Hill is out with this groin injury. We really don't know the extent of it yet. And, you know, Watkins probably has not lived up to expectations. He's been very erratic. But he has had a lot of productive days when you look at it, double-digit points. Now, there have been some weeks where he's quiet. The week six against New England, two for 18. The game against Denver, but he got hurt in that game. He only played 12 snaps, he had a zero. But, and week one, three for 21. But 
a lot of days he's been productive with double-digit points. And the way this Kansas City offense is rolling, you know, Watkins is a wide receiver three. You've got to know that the floor can be low in certain weeks. But you saw the positive. And, again, they really don't throw the ball to many guys outside of Kelsey, Hill, and Hunt. You know, we do see Conley occasionally to Marcus Robinson. But it's pretty much a lot of Kelsey, Hill, and Hunt. And the Broncos tend to do a good job taking on Tyreek Hill. They only had four targets in this game. So that opened it up with Watkins. So, yes, Watkins is boomer bust. But you want to invest in the Chiefs offense because they are so good. Lots more ahead as we kind of recap week eight, look at the storylines and what it means for your fantasy team at a Scout Fantasy Sports. I am Adam Ronis here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. You're listening to Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern, as we do each and every weekdays. You can find me 7 p.m. Eastern. If you can't listen live, no problem. You can always check it out on demand anytime you want. And you can check out my work, ScoutFantasySports.com. Early look at the Week 9 waiver wire from myself, prescription notes from Dr. Roto, injury report from Bill Enright. Ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime you want. Head to the promo code RONIS70 to get 70% off your first month. Of course, Scout DFS, where we have you covered for NBA, NFL, and NHL. And VegasWhispers.com. Again, these guys are money. I've been retweeting all the results. Free pick of the day, under 215.5 on the Dallas Mavericks and the San Antonio Spurs. The football pick is out, too. That's for premium members. Again, it's worth it. They were 3-0 and in NFL yesterday, 5-1 and in the World Series, had the Red Sox money line yesterday. So never going to be 100%, but these guys are very accurate, uh, good information, and uh, getting the lines uh, to you, the picks, before they move too much in one direction. So uh, college football has been really good, too. Uh, they had... Uh, I didn't do any college football this weekend, but they had some good picks. Uh, two weeks ago, I, they had uh, Purdue, uh, and I took used that and uh, put in money on that. And Purdue was getting 13, and they actually upset Ohio State two weeks ago. So, again, VegasWhispers.com. Become a member today, and uh, you'll be happy. You'll win money, and that's what I want. I want you guys to win money. All right, let's uh, look at other things from Week 8. How about Adrian Peterson? Man, I've been wrong on this guy. I buried this guy. I wanted no part of him. I was very concerned about the injuries he's 33 years old but man he has looked good i gotta give him a lot of credit and still worried about him long term you know he's been banged up had a couple of issues but 26 carries 149 yards and a touchdown his longest was a 64 yard run yeah we know he's not going to catch many passes one reception for seven yards but right now the uh, redskins are just giving you a heavy dose of adrian peterson they're playing good defense i don't think this team is that good but they are winning games right now, and let's look at what Adrian Peterson has done this year. At least 96 yards in every game except two. He's got four touchdowns on the season, 587 rushing yards. Uh, he's been really good, man. Uh, I have to give it to him. And, uh, you know, 
averaging 4.6 yards per carry and much better than what we saw last year when he was with uh, the Cardinals and the Saints. Again, you you do have to worry about durability. He's 33 years old, but, man, he's getting the job done. Really hurts a little bit in PPR because only nine receptions on the season. But still, with the running back landscape right now, the workload he's getting, uh, you're feeling good about him. You don't feel good about any other part of the Redskins offense. I mean, Alex Smith has 178 yards passing or fewer in three straight games. Big test this week. He's playing Atlanta. Atlanta has been garbage. They've allowed 17 passing touchdowns on the season. Even Eli Manning passed for 399 yards on Atlanta. So I think Smith probably is in the streaming conversation this week. But, man, this they're just not doing anything on offense. Jordan Reed finally had a decent game. And it was 7 for 38. He had 12 targets. But Jordan Reed, if I would have told you, hey, Jordan Reed's going to be healthy as we get into week 9. And all the injuries that the Redskins have are wide receiver. You'd be like, wow, Reed must be tearing it up. Not happening. I mean, Reed has one touchdown on the air. His highest yard total is 65. He has not reached double-digit points in PPR formats in three straight games before yesterday where he got to 10.8. It just has been... Terrible for Jordan Reed, and I don't think he's a must-play every week anymore. I know the tight end landscape is bad, but I'll give you an example. I have Jordan Reed and Jared Cook in the league. No hesitation. Played Jared Cook over him yesterday, and obviously Cook outperformed him, but it's crazy to think that Jordan Reed is healthy. He's not even a lock, even as bad as tight end has been, but you got to hope it gets better. But this, you really don't want to invest in this Redskins offense outside of Adrian Peterson right now at all. It has been that bad. Yet this team is five and two. For the Giants, it's the same old story. You know, people are asking about Beckham. You know, Beckham has still put up numbers. He's eight for one thirty six, so he's still got you twenty one. And it's Barkley. Evan Ingram's been a disappointment. He had nine targets, uh, did score a touchdown late, five for twenty five. But man, he's dropping a lot of passes. But that's something that we saw last year. And I said it before the year. There's no way that Beckham, Barkley, Ingram, and Shepard were all going to be productive this year, unless you thought Eli Manning was going to put up big numbers. And I don't think everyone did. So I'm um, not surprised that you know, you're going to see inconsistency from Engram and Shepard going forward. There's, this offense is just not good enough. We know Barkley's going to produce every week. He has the high ceiling because of the receptions and Beckham will. But the other guys are going to be inconsistent. How about the Colts in the offensive line? I mentioned it last week. They were top five in run blocking. Andrew Luck has barely been touched this year. Another game where he didn't get sacked. And Luck's another guy that... Has had a great year. I mean, he's someone you pretty much have to start every week. 239 and three touchdowns. And how about Marlon Mack, man? For those that have waited around for Marlon Mack, boy, another big game. And Mack's ownership was probably a little bit low in DFS this week because he was on the injury report. Uh, He popped up, was it Wednesday or Thursday, with an ankle. That was a new injury. His previous injury was a hamstring. But you have to be real careful here, okay? Because someone asked me on the message board, I think it was Saturday or Sunday. You know, oh, I'm concerned. Do I play an injured Mac or Devontae Booker? And I said, you got to play Mac. First of all, you knew he was going to play, and he put in a practice Friday. You knew he was going to get a big workload. And, yes, there's always risk with injured players. You know, we could have looked back and said, oh, it was stupid. He got hurt again. But Devontae Booker was a deep sleeper for me. We knew he would, you know, get you four or five receptions. But Mac was active. you got to play him. And, you know, hopefully they listened. Uh, but Mack at 25 for 132 and two touchdowns and two catches for 17 yards. So he's looked real good. The other big story in this game was the return of Jack Doyle. And I was amazed. I didn't realize this. And I understand in Yahoo League sometimes 
you have to make these tough cuts, and a lot of people don't want to hold two tight ends, and you have 15, 16 roster spots. But Jack Doyle is only owned in 25% of Yahoo leagues. I was stunned because I wasn't going to write him up this week in the waiver wire, and I saw that number. I said, I got to put him in there because, yeah, in the high-stakes leagues, he's home, but, you know, we got to cover everyone. And Doyle is out there. Now, they do have a buy in week nine, but it doesn't matter. Doyle is a go-to guy for Andrew Luck. We've seen it. He loves throwing at the tight ends. Doyle played 57 snaps in his first game back, seven targets, six for 70, and a touchdown. So Doyle's definitely a tight end one going forward. Now, Eric Ebron, on the other hand, you know, you're a little bit more worried about him. He only played 17 snaps. Now, he did score again. So I think he's a borderline tight end one. He only had three targets, three for 37, and a touchdown. Now, maybe this was because he's banged up. Remember, he was on the injury report a couple weeks ago with, like, every body part. So maybe they wanted to preserve him a little bit. They had the lead. I'm not sure because they do have a bye week going uh, next week. But I think there is room for both guys. Uh, we did see week one when Doyle was out there. Ebron played 37 snaps and was 4 for 51 and a touchdown. So Ebron's got seven touchdowns on the season. So I still think there's value there, but it might not be what it once was. Obviously, we'll have to see after the bye. Also, uh, Dontrell Inman stood out. He looked pretty good. You know, he's always a guy that I liked with the Chargers. I think you could look at him in D formats. I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to write him up in the week uh, nine fab guy that comes out tomorrow. He had seven targets, six for 52 in this game as T.Y. Hilton. I don't know how. One catch for 34 yards against the Raiders and five targets? Uh, don't know about that. And Naeem Hines looks like the back to own behind Mack. He had 11 for 78 on the ground, two catches, seven yards, but it's clearly Marlon Mack. Uh, Doug Martin is a player that I don't like. I've said that. I understood why people picked him up. He's a starting running back, but 13 for 72 and 2 for 17. He actually did look pretty good. i got to say that. He did lose a fumble, though, late in this game. Still prefer Jalen Richard, and Richard not much on the ground. I don't expect him to get many carries, but he did have 8 for 50, and he's done that several times this year. That's a solid RB2 in PPR formats. You know the Raiders are going to be playing from behind each week, so Jalen Richard's in play for sure. Uh, Martavis Bryant, though, no targets in this game. Like, what happened here? They talked about him getting more involved in the offense with no Mari Cooper. It didn't happen, so Martavis Bryant... You cannot trust this guy right now. Uh, and I know a lot of people probably picked him up and played him. I didn't play him anywhere. I did put in some bids for him as a bench stash. I wasn't going to play him. He played seven snaps. Now, he did have a reception that was called back on a penalty. But, man, like, how does this happen? Amari Cooper was playing in week six. He had 43 snaps. Amari Cooper's gone in seven snaps. So, clearly, Martavis Bryan, uh, not thought of highly right now. So, you cannot play him. And Jordy Nelson, one for 14. You know, everyone thought, oh, uh, Cooper's gone, Jordy Nelson, but, you know, playing more outside now, not in the slot. So, you know, I really don't want to count on any of these Raiders right now, except Jared Cook, Jalen Rashard. Those are my two favorite plays uh, when it comes to that team. How about Todd Gurley going down as he was about to score? I know that probably hurt a lot of fantasy owners, but can you really be upset or feel sorry for Gurley owners? Now, if you were playing a DFS and that touchdown could have won you more money, I could see why you're upset. Uh, for those that didn't see it, late in the game, Rams smoking the clock. Ty Gurley had an easy touchdown, and he went down at the three, reminiscent of Brian Westbrook. Gurley still had a huge game, 25 for 114, 6 for 81 in a touchdown. Just been tearing it up. Jared Goff finally had that big game. We talked about him on Friday for DFS as he was 6,000 on DraftKings. That he was due to have one of these games, 295 and three touchdowns for Goff. It was Josh Reynolds, though, who was the recipient Three for 42, two touchdowns and five targets. He's going to depend on Cooper Cup. 
you know, Cooper Cup, we don't know uh, when he's going to return. We'll just have to wait for the practice report. I guess there's a chance he comes back this week. They have a big game this week against the Saints. That's going to be fun. Uh, Aaron Jones was 12 for 86 in a touchdown. Definitely looks good. I guess I guess I feel better about starting him. Jamal Williams did vulture a touchdown. He was four for nine on the ground. And Ty Montgomery, if you missed this story, so Ty Montgomery, they were late in the game. They told him, don't take the kickoff out of their end zone. Don't return it. He did and fumbled. And a lot of the Packers are really upset about that. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I wonder if he gets cut or definitely scaled back. So I think you're starting to feel better about Aaron Jones going forward. You got to hope that he continues because he clearly looks like the best back. Now, Packers receivers here, some concerns. Look at these snap percentages. We Randall Cobb was back, and Marquez Valdez Scantling has been good, and uh, Drano Miles was back. So these were the snap percentages. Devontae Adams, seventy-seven percent. We expect that. You know who was second? Valdez Scantling, sixty percent. Geronimo Allison, fifty-eight percent. Randall Cobb, forty-six percent. Target-wise, Adams 7, Valdez Scantling 5, Comp 5, Allison only 1. Now, were they easing him back in? Do they believe in Valdez Scantling that he should play? I actually picked up Valdez Scantling in a 14-team league. Did not play him, but I, I had a little feeling that this could happen. So this Bears watching going forward, this is not going to be great for fantasy outside of Devontae Adams if these guys are going to spread the ball around. And it hurts Jimmy Graham, too. Jimmy Graham had a touchdown early in the game. They reviewed it, said he was down at the one. That was his only catch of the game. One catch for 21 yards on four targets. So this is really going to hurt a lot of these receivers if they're going to spread the ball around like that. So I think we're really going to pay attention to what happens next week. And they play uh, the Sunday night game against New England. So that should be a game where they're going to have to keep pace and put up points and we thought that in this game, too, but they were actually leading. They should have been up bigger. I mean, they were up 10-8 at the half. The Rams did not score until late in the first half. Probably as bad as the Rams' offense looked. They picked it up in the second half. Last night, the Saints beat the Vikings, and if I would have told you the Saints put up 30, you would have said, all right, Breeze had a big game. Breeze only 120 passing yards. You know, there was a pick six. There was turnovers in this game. Breeze was only 18-23 for 120 yards and a touchdown and a pick as uh, they you know, featured the run game more, kind of reminiscent of last year. Michael Thomas, 5 for 81. Traquan Smith, 3 for 18 on four targets. I like Traquan Smith, but you know, especially if the Saints can control the tempo, you're going to have games like this. Hopefully you guys didn't panic on Alvin Kamara and held on to him because we knew that this would happen. It's been more Kamara the last two weeks. I really felt they were trying to get Ingram acclimated into the offense before the bye, but once again, Kamara, a rushing touchdown, also a receiving touchdown as he had seven receptions in this one. And uh, for the Vikings, a huge game for Stephon Diggs, 10 for 119 on 11 targets. Adam Thielen, another 100-yard game, although he did have a critical fumble in this one. And Latavius Murray looked good. I know some people were concerned about the matchup against the Saints, but uh, I did use him in the FFWC online league uh, this past week because you know he's starting and getting the volume, so you kind of have to roll with him uh, in that type of matchup. The Panthers' offense has been so good, man. you got to credit North Turner with what he's done. I mean, they just disposed of the Ravens with ease, and the Ravens are a good defense. You know, Cam Newton, we do this every year. I was guilty of it. I think it was last year because I was worried about the rushing attempts going down. But Cam Newton just produces all the time. And even in DFS, you know, look at what Cam Newton did yesterday. And no one really talks about him. He just gives you a high floor because of the rushing yards. He was 10 for 52 and a rushing touchdown. And through the year, 219 and two touchdowns. But the thing that stood out to me in this game is D.J. Moore. 
and anyone who plays in the high-stakes leagues know that D.J. Moore was a really hot pick. He was going in the 8th, ninth round as we got closer to the season because this guy is so talented. But we really haven't seen the usage there. It changed a little bit this week, and a big reason was Torrey Smith was out. And I don't see how you go back to Torrey Smith when he's ready. D.J. Moore's got out of play. He just brings an element that this offense is missing. So Moore played a season-high 46 snaps that was over 70%. He had a season-high six targets, five receptions for 90 yards, and two carries for 39. D.J. Moore's got to be picked up. He's got to be added off the waiver wire. I know he's probably available in a lot of leagues. And obviously the high-stakes leagues, he's not. People have been holding on to him because they knew that he was going to get an opportunity at some point. And I think it is probably here for D.J. Moore right now who uh, is in line, I think, to, to have a big finish to the season. So D.J. Moore is someone you want. Alex Collins' owners are probably panicking a little bit. He did have 11 for 49 and a touchdown, but he did lose another fumble, although I don't think it was his fault. If you watch the play, as soon as Collins got the ball, he was hit in the backfield. So they don't really have much. Uh, right now, it's not like Buck Allen is doing much. So, you know, Alex Collins, it's, it's been bumpy, but he does have six touchdowns on the season. It's just that we've seen, you know, games of 12 touches. Uh, but he did come through at least with the touchdown in this game. But the fumbles have been a problem for Alex Collins. But it doesn't look like they're going to bench him too much uh, as, as the Ravens just didn't do much offensively. Another disappointing game for John Brown, 3 for 28. He did have seven targets. But the Ravens have a big game this week against Pittsburgh, a team they've already defeated this year. So, uh, just one of those bad games that they had. And uh, the Cardinals, they beat the 49ers. Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator chains. A little bit better for David Johnson. You know, not too much. Four targets, four for 41. You'd like to see more. He was 16 for 59 on the ground. Didn't get that touchdown. But it did help Larry Fitzgerald. It looks like he's back. 12 targets, eight for 102. So a good sign there for Larry Fitzgerald. And Matt Breda broke our hearts. Uh, if you started Raheem Mostert this week, man, you were disappointed. And I almost did at the last minute. I took him out, man. When I saw Breda was playing and the reports were Breda would be limited, and he wasn't. This guy just keeps finding a way to get it done, although he did limp off the field a couple times. And it is a short week. The 49ers played Thursday against the Raiders. What an awful primetime game that is. As Breda did have 16 for 42 on the ground. Uh, did not catch a pass, though. Uh, and Marquise Goodwin, 55-yard touchdown. We know he's going to be boomer bust, but the Mostert play burned a lot of people this week. Even Alfred Morris had more touches than him, so it's been a headache with that 49ers backfield. We've seen it numerous times this year. That wraps it up here. Not going to be a great game tonight, but you know, hopefully if you do have Josh Gordon, he plays enough to get the job done. The report is he is going to miss about a quarter of play. I'll be back. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. In the meantime, check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. I'm out.